Welcome to Talking Underwater, One Water, One Podcast. I am Mandy Crispin, Editor-in-Chief of Waterworld. On December 19, 2023, the state of California passed new regulations for direct potable reuse. Today we are talking with David Peterson, the President of Water Reuse California, and Rosario Cortez, Water Reuse California's Regulatory Affairs Director, about what direct potable reuse is and how and why the regulation was developed. On December 19, 2023, the state of California passed new regulations for direct potable reuse. Today, we are talking with David Peterson, the president of Water Reuse California, and Rosario Cortez, Water Reuse California's Regulatory Affairs Director. David and Rosario, welcome to Talking Underwater. Let's talk about direct potable reuse. What is it and what is it not? Well, I'll kick us off and thank you, Mandy, for um for the podcast. So direct potable reuse, I'll just um I'll just go right to it and say that it is not toilet to tap. And you know, that term comes up and we'll see that in the news. This is some of the most highly treated um water in our water systems. And it is something that as an organization that we've been working on for almost 13 years to be sure that the science um, supports the important um, priority of protecting public health and at the same time providing a new source of local drinking water. So if you look at the um, water recycling for potable reuse, where we recycle wastewater and use it for drinking water, there's really four different types and direct potable reuse is uh, comprises two of those types. And I'll just mention the four types. Um, two of them, the first two are groundwater um, augmentation. The second one is what's called reservoir augmentation. And those typically are called indirect potable reuse. And then the last two are called raw water augmentation and treated drinking water augmentation. And those are direct potable reuse. And, and the real difference between the two is that the direct potable reuse don't involve placing the water temporarily in an environmental setting before the water is, is then um, supplied to the drinking water system. So the water is not put in a groundwater basin or into a reservoir before it's placed into the water system. I think I read somewhere that it's also a lot faster than the alternative. It is faster for for that reason. Um, typically, on the other the other forms, you've got about four to six months where that water is in some form of what's called an environmental buffer, um, and, and doing that is a great strategy. But there are places in California where you don't have a groundwater basin or a surface water reservoir that you can use, and because of that, direct potable reuse is really important in those areas. Thank you. Okay, so how are how are the rules for the new regulation developed and has anything had to be adjusted over time? So I would say yes, they, that things have had to be adjusted and it has been a natural progression from the very beginning where the first type of potable reuse was um, permitted and regulations were developed. That was for um, groundwater augmentation and the most recent regs for direct potable reuse. And um, they're very different, and naturally, the the recent regs are are tougher. They're more difficult to meet for good reason, um, 
that it is a more um, a more direct path to the drinking water system. We need to be sure that we protect public health. As far as the process to develop them, the regulations have been informed by two things. Number one is research, tremendous amount of research around the um, the technical requirements, managerial requirements, monitoring and control, and public health. And, and millions of dollars have been invested in that research. Um, water reuse um, and our association in California was a big part of the research effort to develop um, all of that information to support the regulations. And then the other part is there was um, what's called an independent expert panel, a panel of experts in epidemiology, in toxicology, environmental and public health that um, provided recommendations to our state water board, which is our regulatory authority, uh, to advise them on the elements of the regulation. So it was a very thoughtful process and one that developed over a period of many years. So I think you started to touch on this a little bit earlier, but I have to ask, um, California is a large state with different climates. So why is it important to have a statewide regulation despite the regions having different needs? So you're right that it's a large state, very diverse needs and challenges. Um, and a lot of our water issues are handled regionally. In fact, in California, we have regional water quality control boards for that, that reason, recognizing that different parts of the state are different. But when it comes to drinking water and protecting public health, our needs are actually more similar than they are different. And so it does make sense from that standpoint that we have a statewide regulation and that that regulation be consistent for all of California. So I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about having um, regulations that meet the local needs and challenges. But I think this is one where having statewide consistency is really more important. And it's really because of that overarching goal of protecting public health. And so um, I would agree with the State Water Board in the, in the approach they took. Um, and I would go a step further to say if they did it throughout the state and had different regulations, it could be really, really challenging to design these projects. And these projects are large, and we're talking about um, many millions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars or even billions of dollars invested to build these facilities. We need a consistent framework. We need to know what the rules are and there needs to be some consistency um, through, throughout California. I know Rosario, you probably have some thoughts too. So I don't want to, uh, I want I want you to share um, your input as well. Oh, no, thank you. I just, I, mean, I completely share that in terms of um, sometimes things need to be done in a statewide level and uh, regional approaches are not the best um, in certain instances, especially as we really seek to protect the public health. Um, and obviously, water affects every everyone in California. And given that we are um, such a large economy, um, we need to look at this in a broader uh, the implications of not dealing with with some of these issues are just so much larger than any region. Um, and I think also helping folks realize that um, they need to have local and sustainable water supplies and that that independence, that ability to move forward without relying on, on someone else is, is pretty critical. This is just one of those one of those pieces. Okay, so we need to pick a direction and, and go in 
in that direction consistently across the board. And that kind of is a good segue to the next question, which is why is it important on a larger scale right now at this moment in time? So I would say, I'll, I'll kick that off. And I would say we are facing some of the most severe challenges in the in what we do as water purveyors that I've ever seen. And it's really being driven by climate change. We're seeing climate change affecting uh, what we do and the way we do business in every aspect. And, you know, just to give an example, my agency, we've faced uh, in the last 10 years, two really, really severe droughts. And the last drought that we had, the drought of 2020 to 2022, we had some of the toughest restrictions in our history uh, for over 50 years, where we had to implement measures like installing flow restrictors that physically um, restricted the amount of water that a customer could take because we had so little water available to us. Um, in our situation, we're very dependent on imported water that comes from more than 400 miles away. And that imported water source, our, the state water project is affected severely by drought and by climate change. And, change. and so we realized in the future, we need to develop local water and local water that is drought and climate resilient. Um, and that is water recycling. That is what water recycling does. Um, we have an ethic that um, water is too valuable to be used only once. And so potable reuse is really the way that we can um, bring water full circle and use it over and over again, the way really nature intended. And just to add, we're all downstream of someone. So the the, the idea of recycling is not, um, it's not new. Um, I, it's, it's something that, you know, every, everyone who, um, embraces the water cycle understands that, you know, this is not new water. Um, this is just using a precious resource. And just to echo what Dave said, I mean, it really water in California, it's, it's a must, you must use it more than once. You cannot, um, it's, it's a stewardship issue. Um, and so again, going back to kind of that theme of California wanting to have this flourishing economy, you have to have water wherever, wherever water is, that's where you have um, education, that's where you have families, that's where you have um, all these other pieces um, to be able to sustain a society. It's to sustain life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So you mentioned 13 years or so. Is that how long um, it's taken to gain traction for the initiative that you're proposing right now or? Seems like a long time. <laughs> it, it is a long time. And and I would say yes. Um, and I'll just acknowledge that it has been a sequential process. So, you know, I mentioned there's four types of potable reuse and we've implemented um, along the way, the IPR regulations were done. And only more recently, as you mentioned in December, the DPR regulations for direct potable reuse. So we haven't waited 13 years or any progress, we've made progress along the way, but the final piece, yes, it did take 13 years and for good reason, it's important. The research um, was important to complete. We did that in partnership with the State Water Resource Control Board. Um, we actually uh, jointly funded um, some of that research and contributed to it. And so I think what we have in California now is a regulation that we feel very confident in a regulation that um, the public can feel confident in so that when they go to their tap, they know that it's safe and they know that the projects that we build 
um, using these regulations um, will be safe and that it's water that they can be comfortable with their family drinking. Yeah. I mean, okay. So we've got, that's so important. We we have many challenges in the water industry as I'm learning, as I onboard into this industry um, and there, there are limited resources. And um, I think oftentimes people want to know how expensive is this process? How, what is it going to cost me? Because I'm competing so many issues that are so important. Um, so that's good to know that it's backed by research and that you took your time. Um, but how how expensive is this process going to be for other states maybe that want to follow your lead? So cost is an important point. And I will say the cost depends on the project and the project strategy. So depending on the type of reuse that you're doing, whether it be with the groundwater or a reservoir, or direct potable reuse, it, it really can vary quite a bit. So it's difficult to say what the cost is. But what I will say about the cost is what is more important is the value, the value proposition. And I'll tell you, having gone through a drought where we could not provide our customers with the water that they needed and expected, the value is, is no doubt there. It, it's absolutely there. Um, and so I think of it more in terms of value. Uh, what value is it adding? But, you know, to kind of go back to the question, the cost, um, when you look at treating um, wastewater and you look at um, kind of the central element of treating it uh, reverse osmosis, it is going to be competitive with some of your alternate sources. Um, and, and that would be um, groundwater that needs to be uh, cleaned up. So contaminated groundwater uh, and cheaper than generally um, seawater desalination. Because when you look at seawater desalination, and this is generally in California, we would be talking about this, not in other states, you're talking about water that is 10 times saltier, the ocean. And um, because of that, it inherently is going to require more energy in order to push that water through the membranes and remove uh, the salt. Uh, but I'd really go back to the value thing. The value proposition is to have a reliable supply of water a supply that you can count on even during uh, times of drought. And that and that's really um, the concept. The other thing is this is not intended to be your entire supply of water. Mm -hmm. This is part of a portfolio. And so I think of your water supply portfolio sort of like your investment portfolio. You know, a good investment portfolio, you have different uh, investments and they're varied and they have different profiles and the same with water. So you want to have a diversified water portfolio and potable reuse uh, is and can be a really important part of that. Oh, I just wanted to touch on Dave's concept of value because I think um, independence and being able to be locally sustainable for yourself, I mean, it's just, it's huge. You can't put a price on on that. And again, yes, it is a tool in the toolbox, but um, it's just certainly to be able to to have your customers um, know that you have all these different tools, I think it's, it's just invaluable. Yeah, California um, leads in desalination as, as well, um, along with, I think, Texas and possibly one other state, as far as I, I know. Um, so you do have a varied amount of tools there. This is one, is what you're saying. Um, and if you are judging like how, how much is the cost versus how much is the value of not being able to deliver water. Exactly. Uh, we've got to think about that. Okay. 
Um, well, I'm just going to open the floor to you guys then um, for a minute and ask you if there's anything industry professionals need to know that we haven't talked about so far. And uh, feel free to, to riff on that. Well, I'll start by maybe where we began, and that is about public trust and confidence. And I really feel like our job is really um, maintaining the trust of our customers. And in doing this, the regulations really provide a means to accomplish that. So we have very clear, um, very clear standards for what is required to provide safe drinking water to our customers. And then our job as water professionals is to provide safe, safe water, to do it in a transparent way, and to maintain the trust of our customers. And I think that is the key here when we're doing this and doing anything new is that we need to maintain that trust with our customers. And the trust in one community is going to look different than in another community. And so like I can speak for my community where we serve um, our customers is they wanna see how it works. They wanna understand if we are gonna build a new project that involves potable reuse, they want to see the treatment processes they want to see how it will work. They want to see it in action and they want to see our employees actually running it. And we have a demonstration facility where they can do that. They can see it, they can touch it, and they can even taste the water at the end of the tour. And so that's really, really important. It's kind of, in my mind, the ultimate show of trust is when you've gone through the tour and at the end you feel confident and you take that taste of water um, and drink it alongside myself and my colleagues, and we drink it together. And uh, that's really, in the end, the most important thing um, is the trust. And I'll also say that when we don't have that trust, what we experience is um, really a, we, we step backwards for a long time, 10 years or more. So it is really important not to do that uh, and not to get ahead of our customers. But I would say, also, our customers are more sophisticated than they ever were. They understand the challenges we face as water purveyors and what we need to do and why we need to do it. And they're supportive of the things that we do as long as we explain and show how it works. I feel like Dave hit most of that because all of what I really came to mind for me was you, collaboration and communication. So this didn't come, I mean, obviously this process began, you know, there was, there were bills or obviously legislation. So, and collaborating with regulators. And so needing to build that, your reputation and your trust, and then collaborating with people at all, at all junctures. So your lawmakers and your regulators and within your colleagues. Um, and also obviously too, this will not be rolling out without extensive public process. So again, that communication continues and just to encourage others who are looking at this, it, it just does come with, with having your reputation and maintaining it, building it, communicating, and just continuing that um, process um, sort of from, from idea to to actually implementation. So you really have to continue even, even after it's been approved. Um, so just continue communicating. I think, well, this is not a self-serving remark, but in any way, but uh, communications, I think we're seeing this on all fronts where it's, it's just absolutely needed and integral to this entire process. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, and I just want to say thank you to both of you for this intriguing look at 
direct portable reuse in California. And hopefully our, our listeners can can learn a little bit about what you're what you all are doing there. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. And then on to some housekeeping. For Wastewater Digest, check out the WWD YouTube channel to watch new video interviews with executives from Stantec, Veolia North America, HDR, and Jacobs. The channel is at youtube.com forward slash at symbol Wastewater Digest. Waterworld is accepting nominations for young pros, so go to waterworld.com forward slash young pros until March 15th to nominate yourself or someone you know. We do request a headshot along with the nomination. And for Stormwater Solutions, Young Pros, Top Projects, and Industry Icon nominations are open at www.stormwater.com forward slash nominations. With that, like, subscribe, share on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Reach us at talkingunderwater at endeavorb2b.com to share your thoughts. And don't forget to follow us on X at TUW Podcast. Thanks for listening.